0: Well, you survived two and a half hours of me. We are in the home stretch here. Final 30 minutes of the program. We are listening to Mornings with Joe Catanacci on The Big Talker, 106.7 FM. My name is Nick Craig, filling in for Joe, leading into this Fourth of July weekend. It's warming up here, folks. 85 degrees in Wilmington right now. It's going to be uh, right around 90 today. It is my great pleasure to say in the morning to my good friend, Yael Asowski, the Deputy Director of the Consumer Choice Center,
1: Good morning, Ayal. How are you? In the morning to you, Nick. I'm doing quite well. Uh, it's a great uh, July 3rd, so great to talk to you here on the program.
0: Yes, sir. Thanks uh, for joining us this morning. Um, you and I are both um, tech... I, I, I'm going to call you a nerd, Ayal. I'm sorry. We're both tech nerds, and uh, we've been following a lot of what's going on, and we've had private conversations about some of the censorship uh, that's going on online. But I saw an article in the uh, the New York Times this past week that... A, a, a writer at the New York Times, an opinion and technology writer, which essentially means virtue signaler, said that Facebook is not acting strong enough on censorship. And my question to you, Ayala, is how is that possible? They are already banning. They've already banned conservatives time and time again. What more do these progressives want from these big tech companies? Yes,
1: yeah, so there's there's a lot to unpack here. Um, so the author of the article you're talking about is Kara Swisher. Um, so she is supposed to be the the tech grouch um, in Silicon Valley. So she has Recode, if you've ever seen that website. She's the CEO and owner, and she's this New York Times contributing uh, writer. And she's always kind of been the uh, chummy chummy with very politically correct companies, but the moment that they allow other opinions, then she clamps down on them. And that's what this article is here. Clean up your act, Facebook, or we're leaving. And she's pointing to this huge campaign that is now just everywhere. I'm seeing this uh, much like what's happened in the last month. You have friends who have nothing to do with politics, don't care about politics. All of a sudden, all their Instagrams are full of everything, BLM, full of everything, police brutality. Now it's uh, Facebook, we're going to cancel you because you're not censoring enough. And really what this seems like it is, is, is an attempt to try to wiggle out the people that are disagreeable off of the platform. And this is a not only a, something that is encouraged in places like the New York Times, but this is kind of the elite mantra. You know, they do not like having these establishments where people can question and really practice real small-l liberalism. You know, this is the entire political philosophy our country is based on, the idea that you can disagree, and we have all the mechanisms for disagreeing, and it remains civil. But it's as if now we need to go to the next level and get rid of all these areas where we're even able to have conversations online.
0: I, you know, part of me wonders how, how much further these big tech companies like Facebook, these big Silicon Valleys, Twitter, Google, yeah, how much further can they push it? Before And believe me, as a conservative-minded individual, I do not want government to step into technology. I definitely don't want the government in the, the, the world of regulation. But how much further can they step this before Trump and hopefully Republicans in the House and the Senate give them a slap and say, this is enough, guys. You can't be doing this.
1: Yeah, I I think it'll definitely happen very soon. We've already seen part of it with uh, Trump, who had his executive order coming out and saying, hey, these social media companies kind of need to get it together. You know, that's very problematic this would uh, the idea would be to remove section 230 from the communications decency act which would basically make all of these digital platforms liable for the comments there that actually would make the internet a less free place i don't think that's a good idea there's a lot of conservatives and a lot of uh, left-wing democrats who are all in favor of this that's really, I don't think, the best way to go. It's certainly not going to be better for your experience online. If anything, it, they're going to shut down everything. It'll be almost impossible to have social networks. But I, I do think they're really shooting themselves in the foot, um, a lot of the people who want these regulations. And uh, you know, it goes back, it harpens back to everything around net neutrality. You know we were told that everything was going to crash the entire world was just going to be taken over and then we'd be paying you know toll lanes on the internet none of that came true our internet's faster than it's ever been we have more options than we've ever had and all of those predictions never came true and it's because we embraced innovation and competition that now we have better products and services I hope the same can happen with these social media networks there's a lot of pressure on them you know it's not just the US government Um, in Europe there's All these other types of regulations that they have to follow. They're not allowed to allow this hate against, let's say, Turkish groups. They're not allowed to allow hate against uh, people in Burma. There's all these different types of regulations per country that make it nearly impossible. You know, if I was uh, Facebook, I would just set up my company on some offshore island And if anyone who wants to use it can, I try to get away from all this terrible regulation. It's not a way that you can grow your business is if if every single time you turn your head, there's a new legislator wanting to slap a new tax on you or tell you you need to censor um, and make sure you get rid of communities.
0: What do you think the um, now obviously there's alternative social media is available, but they don't have general uh, appeal to people. What can or, you know? What should conservative-minded individuals or Republican-minded individuals do? Should they delete their Facebook accounts? Should they delete their Twitter and move over to services like Parler and Gab? What would you recommend to people um, that are maybe fed up with some of this censorship? Because there are plenty of alternatives, but it's sometimes hard to get on these other platforms.
1: Yeah, that's true. One, one thing that's so interesting about this debate, Nick, is that there's so much talk about Twitter. Um, in the political and media circles and you know it's maybe two percent of the population who's on there <laughs> yet it it defines so much of our rhetoric and so much public debate when really most ordinary people are not on there facebook it is uh, different you do have a lot more people who are on there including uh, your mom and dad and probably everyone else's mom and dad as well now this is a very popular platform because people are able to sh- share pictures and connect with all their colleagues um, you know, what I would say to just more free thinkers who might be more skeptical of everything that's happening, yeah, all, there are alternatives. You can go to Gab or you can go to Parler. Um, these are attempts that people have. You know, I used to say and recommend you go to Reddit where you can find great communities there. Um, you know, we can talk about that later. But really, I would just recommend you you try to, you know, start small, either with your own blog and website. I mean, back in the day, I was on Zanga x-a-n-g-a which was blog rings you know this was back in the day when you would write your small blogs with your small circle of friends 10 to 15 people and you know that was your kind of community that was your social network that's what you had before myspace and all these others and you didn't have all this idea of censorship or you're not allowed to say this or that i think the more local you can have it the better Uh, there are decentralized alternatives anyone can start a mastodon server um, I have one as well that I run for myself. There are others that I've joined too. There's, there's really a lot out there that people can see. Most people, they want to make sure it's a seamless experience. They want it to be easy. That's why Facebook and Twitter and Instagram make it easy because more people can join. So, you know, if it, it depends on what you're looking for. If you want to follow the news and information, learn how an RSS reader works, follow your favorite writers. Um, you know, if you want to chat to other people, Look up all these great encrypted apps. Use things like Signal and Wire and Threema. You know, these are great ways that you can contact people and write to them. And you're not necessarily going to have to go through these uh, weird myriad battlefields of censorship politics, fortunately.
0: Well, let's talk about the front page of the Internet, what used to be known as the front page of the Internet, reddit.com, which I have probably wasted more time mindlessly browsing through than probably anything else in my life. Um, they decided this past week you uh, are not allowed to view certain subreddits. They banned over 200 subreddits, including the what was at one point the most active subreddit on their website, uh, the underscore Donald.
1: Yeah, there was The Donald, and then the other one is Chapo Tra- Trap House, which is a sort of left-wing uh, progressive or kind of Marxist podcast in their fan page. I mean, this is bad. Reddit has probably gone down the toilet so much the last six years, and it, like, as an active consumer, much like you were, scrolling along, I mean, this is a great place To find all types of awesome communities. NASCAR community is awesome. There's the expat community that I go on a lot. French Canadians, North Carolinians. There's so much you can find on there. And then you just started seeing that the more and more stuff I try to post, my own articles that I would have published in the Charlotte Observer or the Washington Examiner, or even in the Miami Herald, I try to post them in various subreddits and have them deleted. Oh uh, yeah, moderator X says this is a too inflammatory. It's like, bro, if a newspaper mainstream publishes it, surely it can go on Reddit. So this is the kind of stuff that I think is getting really bad. We've already seen that there is a a lot of um, you know virtue signaling that's happening within the company. You know, a board member resigning, saying his position would be better in the hands of a black man. Uh, you know, this is this is the type of stuff that unfortunately has gone from the classrooms and the universities and places like Evergreen College and now has become mainstream orthodoxy. And for Reddit, it's bad. And uh, the fact that they try to balance it out by saying we're going to ban this Trump subreddit and this left wing, don't worry. Uh, a lot of people are just going to kind of roll their eyes. But. You know, this is a lot of power that they're they're practicing and exercising, and it gives yet another argument to the fact that we need more competition. People need to be starting their own. I know the Donald has their own community, like Donald slash dot win or something like this, but there's all kinds of different alternatives that people are gonna start. We just need a lot of smart entrepreneurial people to kind of lead that charge, and we can definitely do it.
0: Yeah, you just mentioned uh, it's the Donald dot win. It's a great website. It's a it's a Reddit uh, clone specifically for. Um for the, what previously was The Don um, on Reddit. And I'm so, sorry for you non-techie people. You're probably wondering, what, what are these two morons talking about this morning? But we are uh, you know, th- th- these social media platforms, Yael, had a huge impact on the 2016 election. I can accurately say, without The Donald on Reddit in 2016, there was a good chance Trump would not be the president right now.
1: Yeah, it could be. Um, I mean, there's probably a lot of consultants in D.C. who said the same thing, but I think that one is more true. Uh, this is a place where people were putting together all their memes, and it doesn't matter if you hated Trump. A lot of these memes were pretty funny, <laughs> and it was next level. Um, there's, there's, you know, a saying amongst a lot of, uh, you know, I guess people who are center right online that the left can't meme. And it became very true in 2016. And that's where you saw this excitement, not just from, you know, the boomers who were in steel towns in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Now you had like young kids, Zoomers almost, and millennials who were getting excited about a, a Republican candidate. I mean, that was insane. It never happened in many, many years. And it was thanks in part to that Reddit community and just to the online world. And that's why, you know, I. I'm not someone who uh, really ever votes for main parties. I'm surely you know not uh, anyone who's going to represent a certain candidate. But there is a huge effort on the part of tech companies and many different outlets to really tilt the the election in a particular direction. It's very disturbing. And if we just switch the roles or switch the parties or the labels, I think a lot more people would be concerned, and they'd be less laughing or wagging the finger and they'd actually be writing many more think pieces about how this is actually pretty dangerous for democracy.
0: I I hope so. Yael Osowski, the deputy director of the Consumer Choice Center, joining us here on The Big Talker. We're going to grab a quick timeout, Yael, if you can hang on with us. We've got a couple more things we want to get into before the top of the hour. You're listening to Mornings with Joe Catanacci on The Big Talker, 106.7 FM. Nick Craig filling in. We'll be back right after this. Final couple minutes of the program on your four, leading into your 4th of July weekend, rather. You're listening to Mornings with Joe Cadanacci on The Big Talker, 106.7 FM, nine minutes till the 10 o'clock hour. Joining me, uh, Yael Asowski, the Deputy Director of the Consumer Choice Center. And, Yael, you've uh, lived all over the world, and uh, you've got a far broader uh, experience in that than probably every single one of our listeners uh, this morning. Tell us what it's like to be an American and what the Fourth of July really means, having lived all over the, the you know the, the globe.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a deep question, uh, one that I I grapple with a lot. And uh, when you depart your fair shores and everything you know, and you know your family and your friends and everything that you grew up with and your level of comfort, and you kind of decamp all of that and you go live somewhere else, you kind of become this new person. And in a way you are almost forced to become more patriotic because everything that's in front of you is so foreign and weird and everything is such a difference. And that's where, you know, at least for me in the last couple of years, now that I've been living in in Austria, you see that becoming an American is something that is very unique compared to other countries. Other countries, it's very difficult to be a part of that tribe, a part of that culture. Uh, Here in Austria, it's very difficult. Even people who are born here and they've lived here for 20, 25 years, many of them are not citizens. It's very hard to get citizenship. If you are an Austrian citizen, usually you look a certain way. uh, Usually you have a specific dialect. But as an American, you don't really have that. People are all types of colors and shapes and sizes. Uh, People speak different languages. And it's because we're wedded to an ideology of freedom. You know, it's ideas about liberty, it's about the Constitution, it's about ways that people are able to live free and to do so and know that the system is behind them. And you don't have that in other countries. And that's what I've been really proud about in just the last couple of years. Obviously, with my job, I'm... I'm in the U.S. half the year if there's no uh, pandemic on the calendar, but but you know going back and forth, I'm able to see that you know the type of patriotism that exists in the United States is really exceptional, and the fact that we can have a country that has remained peaceful for this long, that has really allowed us to expand our liberties, has created the freest and really most successful and richest society. Ever created, and I don't really think we sit down and, and think about that too much. There's stuff in the news every day that makes us doubt that, but I think we really should push it back push back and say that there's way more positive things that we can say about our country.
0: Yeah, and you know that's one thing that, and I fall into this uh, category as well of people that are ignorant uh, when it comes to what it's like being outside of the United States. I've never lived outside the United States, like you know most people that say, "Oh, America is so bad and it's awful, it's terrible. We need to change it all." Most of them haven't lived outside the United States. And you know, in having conversations with people like you and, and other individuals that have, I think you quickly realize that there has never been a nation, a, a group of people that have come together and have allowed more people to prosper, be free, and be successful than the United States of America. Are there issues in this country? Absolutely. But let's not tear down the entire country because I would say 95 plus percent of it gives you everything you need to be a successful individual and live free.
1: And the principle that we were talking about in the the earlier part of the show is about freedom of speech, and, you know, we're talking about more online platforms and everything, but the United States is really one of the only countries in the world where this is a constitutionally protected negative freedom, meaning that the government is not allowed to impose any restrictions on freedom of speech. And you don't have that in other countries. You certainly don't have it in European countries. If you bring up a lot of things related to the Second World War, I think you can kind of understand what I'm talking about in either Germany or Austria, uh, you actually are sent to jail right away. You are stopped in the street and asked for your papers, your license, or, or whatever photo ID, and that's in the law. You know, we don't have that in the United States. We have a freer country. And even in countries like Canada, uh, even in the United Kingdom, you don't have ultimate freedom of speech. It doesn't exist, and if you try to practice it, you're going to be shut down by XYZ regulation. And that's just something that, you know, people aren't really thinking about. And another one is racial harmony. I'm kind of tired of hearing about the United States being the most racist country in the world. Obviously, they haven't been to South Africa uh, they haven't been to most parts of France that are hugely detest uh, certain new Arab immigrants. Obviously, they haven't been to Poland or the Czech Republic. They don't even allow people of color really to settle in these areas. I mean, this is not, you know, in the past. This is 2020. And for people to continuously make this claim about the United States that it's the most racist place, most hateful place, I mean, we have incredibly civil politics uh, we actually don't take up arms uh, against those we disagree with, usually, and hopefully, and in all cases. And we actually are incredibly welcoming to immigrants, to foreigners, and we actually are one of the most racially harmonious places in the world and even if you look at the country the south is the most racially harmonious area of our country the most racist and intolerant parts of the country are actually in the northeast it's something that's never really discussed and it's something that once you compare to different countries and you see how things are run you know it really gives you appreciation for the awesome country that we have the great freedoms we have And I think uh, hopefully that's why a lot of your listeners as well will be flying uh, that flag very proudly this weekend. weekend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know I'll be doing so, and, and you know, and I can't really fault people, I L, for being ignorant to that fact. Where would you find the information? It's it's almost it's not available anywhere mainstream, and and if it is available on a mainstream social network like Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, it's going to get deplatformed and removed. So it's just unfortunate because I've, I say this all the time. There has where when you and I are talking right now, this exact moment, there has never been more information available at literally no cost. To you and it's just a shame that people are just are, are so uninformed on what's going on but it's but it's not their own fault if people want to uh get up with what you're going with what's going on in the consumer choice center and what else you're working on Yael, where can they do so
1: yeah so definitely go to consumer choice you can also listen to our program obviously tomorrow at 10 and uh, follow me uh just type in yael y-a-e-l-o-s-s i promise i'm the only one who exists in the world so you'll find plenty of my articles there
0: Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate you joining me this morning. Happy 4th of July, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Nick. Happy 4th to everyone else. Cheers. Yes, sir. Thanks, you,
0: Yael Asowski, the Deputy Director of the Consumer Choice Center. You can visit his website, consumerchoicecenter.org, where you can get all of uh, the contact information for Yael and his whole team over there at the Consumer Choice Center.